Hello, Tony and Santi. Hey, Alex. Hi, Alex. How are you guys? We see you perfectly. This is wonderful. Good. <laughs> We're doing well. Good. Well, thank it's you good so to see much. You all. Thank you so much for sending us the videos of the kids. We just enjoyed those. They are looking great and so sweet. <laughs> We're so happy you sent those to us. <laughs> we also uh, wanted. We to... thought they'd be a good opening. <laughs> it is. It's always good to send the uh, cute ones out first. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you guys for staying up and making the time to be with us. We're really excited to have the time with you today. Oh, we've been excited too. Well, Tony and Santi, we'll get right into a few questions that we have for you guys. Something that's always a particular blessing to us is to hear how the Lord has sovereignly worked in each of your lives and brought you guys together and plopped you in Malawi for ministry. Can you guys share with us how the Lord has done that? How has he brought you from your backgrounds to where you are now? Well, I grew up in uh, Bristol, Virginia, and um, uh, came to know the Lord when I was in my 20s. Um, don't know the exact date, but um, grew up in a nominal Christian home, and um, um, God began convicting me of my sin when I was in my mid-teens, and uh, was very patient to keep working on me until for several years until he brought me to, to repentance and faith in Christ. And then I uh, moved to Los Angeles in 1993 to go to seminary. And while I, after I graduated uh, from masters, the I was going on a short-term trip to South Africa in 2002, and news I. Uh, found out that Joel James, who was one of our grace missionaries in South Africa, he's been there over 20 years now, he was coming to the States on furlough. And so uh, I threw my name in the hat to uh, fill in for him for those four months and uh, didn't work out for any of the other South African guys to do that. So I got picked to go and went over on the short-term team and then stayed for four months filling in for Joel while he was on furlough and loved it. And when he came back, he ask if I would pray about planting a church in Sasselberg, which is a smaller city about two hours south of Pretoria where he was ministering. And um, uh, my heart was already in South Africa and um, everything came together. By the time I got back to Grace, he had already called outreach and everything was in place for me to come back. So I, I stayed for about six months and and then came back and planted the church in Sasselberg. And uh, um, Santi and I met right after I came back, uh, but we knew each other long distance for a couple years, and then uh, um, worked the tape table together at the South African Shepherds Conference in 2005, and uh, started uh, dating after that, and was married six months later, and uh, so that's how I got to South Africa. Yeah, so I also grew up in a Christian home. My um, parents took us to church, but I wasn't really interested much in Christianity. Um, but when I was around Standard 4, which is grade 6, uh, the Lord used music, a uh, concert, to draw my heart to what Christ has done on the cross for us, um, for me, for dying for my sins. And I just realized then that I need to repent and turn. Um, and the Lord has been working in my heart you know, on from there. Um, I was married 
when I was doing medical studies to a, a wonderful young man. And we were married for two months when he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, so he died about three years um, into our marriage. And France loved the Lord. It was just a, a really a wonderful time that God has used me to grow. Um, and in that time, we met Pastor Joel James um, and uh, got better teaching about God's sovereignty in illness and that God always are there and have a, a good um, intention for his works. So we got to meet Joel. And then when Franz died, I was in his church, and that's how Tony and I um, knew each other for a while. I'll, we'll just drive down to Sasselberg, which is about an hour and a half, go visit there and um, see another guy that um, had a brain tumor. Uh, and we'll always see Tony, and somehow we always pitch up in a picture. Um, I wasn't interested at all um, in marrying an American, and a pastor, and uh, a man that's older than me. But none of them was good enough reasons. Um, biblical reasons for not doing it. Uh, so that when we worked the tape table, I realized um, after I prayed, Lord, please, not only uh, that's, that's probably not a good prayer. Um, and just ask myself, why not? Why, why is there any reason why not? And then we realized if um, we can make our friends Something can happen. So I stopped running and he catched up very quick and that's how we got together. Well, we're really thankful that he caught you and that the Lord changed your mind. We're so excited to see how that really worked out. That's great. Now, we obviously got to have a wonderful picture of the kids just a moment ago. How did you guys or when did you guys decide that you wanted to adopt and what has that process been like? Well, we... Um we made the decision in March of 2005. Um, Santi had wanted to adopt a long time before that, but uh, I was still saying, well, let's keep you know, trying to have biological children. And I went to, um, I read a book uh, by Russell Moore called Adopted for Life. And um, the Lord really used that to get my heart where it needed to be and um, uh, realized that I couldn't, love my wife as Christ loved the church and keep postponing her desire to have children. And so uh, it came, I, I was actually in New Zealand at my old seminary roommate, Brian Martin's 40th birthday, uh, when I read that book and decided that. So I came back and told Santi. And two months later, uh, she was, um, Santi's a medical doctor, so she was working at a practice in Sasselberg. And a police officer came into her practice and she just casually asked him if he had connections with orphans or abandoned babies and he said he said well as a matter of fact uh, I have a colleague who just adopted two abandoned babies let me give you his number and Santi called this guy and he said well uh, I'll give you the number of the social worker I worked with in Sasselberg but be patient it's going to be a really long process and then uh, we went in and got the paperwork that night, and James had, that was on a Monday. James had been abandoned on the previous Friday. Uh, a lady brought him into the police station and said another lady had handed him to her and said, can you, can you hold him while I go to the, the toilet? And she never came back. And so 
we saw James back behind the counter, a uh, lady holding him, and we got the paperwork, went in the next day thinking we were just going to get our have our initial interview. And uh, um, um, the lady was quite... Uh, Cool to us at first. You want to take over from here? <laughs> yeah, she she just looked at us. It's like, oh, what type of child do you want? So we just said, well, as young as possible. And um, she said, uh, you don't mind having uh, another race baby? We're like, no. So she picked up the phone and said, okay, hold the phone. We've got parents for the baby. <laughs> Put it down, and then. Say, ask us, so, do you want the boy? Do you want the baby? And um, Tony said, yeah. I was like, wow, he always wanted girls. He wanted seven girls, <laughs> didn't want the boy. And he said, yes. And I'm like, wow, the Lord worked in his heart. Um, so that's how we got um, to be picked to be James's parents. We went for our interview just then and went down to the car to pray. And I said to Tony, we can have a baby by the end of this week. And our phone rang, we picked it up and the social worker said, um, but you're a medical doctor, can't you do the medical for us? And I said, yeah, sure. So she said, come up, come get him. We went upstairs, we got him, and I drove home with him on my lap. So four hours since we gave in our forms, he went home with us and it's just unheard of. We, we had nothing, we didn't have a bottle. It came with one bottle, that was it, one set of clothes. And God provided, by that evening he had everything except the baby bath. Um, and that's how God worked. Quick, like that. <laughs> yeah, and um, the, the head of the social welfare called us up and, uh, when we got him and said, don't go out and tell people it happens like this because it doesn't. But, but then, it does. But it does because two years later, uh, Santi and I were uh, away on our anniversary uh, camping. We had left James with Santi's mom for the week, and a social worker that we had interviewed with before we got James called and said, I, I hear you two might be interested in another child. Is that true? And, and we said, yes, we've been thinking about that. And she said, well, there may be one in the pipeline. I'll get back with you. Uh, an hour later, she called back and said, can you be back here tomorrow morning? <laughs> and so we, we left the bush, drove back to Sasselberg, uh, and got David the next day. And uh, at the time, he was a premature baby, so he was a month old. Uh, James, they estimate, was five weeks old when we got him. Uh, David was only just over three pounds. You could fit him in a salad bowl. <laughs> Um, and so we we got him that day, spent the night at our house, took him to court the next morning to make it official, then took him back to the bush for the night to sleep in the camp, <laughs> and then the next day we took him to Santi's mom's house and introduced him to James. Yeah. And then Ami um, happened quicker than the other two. Uh, <laughs> We were on uh, my birthday in February, so three months later, and the social worker phoned again and said, um, I know you just got David, but we got a girl. 
and he likes girls. Uh, she's two days old. Do you want her? But you have to tell me within an hour. And we're like, um, we going to Malawi. So two days before we were, we knew that we're coming to Malawi. So we knew we're coming to Malawi, and two days afterwards, we got the call to say, ah, yes, Ami, do you want her? So we're like, okay, sure. So one hour later, we had her. So she was two days old, and it just, it's unheard of um, that even one gets so quick. So the Lord has really worked with us a bit differently than others, and we are thankful for that. We love them, and yeah. Wow, well, I think some of us would like the number of that social worker because it sounds like a little bit of a quicker system. So, Somebody said we should delete her number from our phone. <laughs> I don't know, Tony. You're not up to seven yet. so <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, that is so exciting to see how the Lord has chosen children for you to adopt and be a picture again of the Lord and and Christ and us as we are to him through adoption. So we rejoice with you guys in that. Now, that all happened while you were still in South Africa, as you mentioned. So tell us, how long did you guys minister together in South Africa? And what did those ministries and your work consist of there? Well, I went to South Africa in 2003. And then Santi and I were married in 2005 in December. So I was pastoring a church. Uh, the, we planted Grace Fellowship Sasselberg uh, in, in Sasselberg, which was a church plant from Joel James Church in, in Pretoria, Grace Fellowship there. So I was doing the same things I would do if I was a pastor in the States, uh, preaching, teaching, counseling, discipling, um, all the things a pastor does, the visiting and weddings and funerals and <laughs> um training up leaders and so that's what I was doing um, yeah um, before we got married I was working as a doctor full-time and then when we got married I worked for a while um, did not no medical work um, and with time started doing just half-day jobs um, when we got James we reduced it to just doing a few night calls um, and yeah, so I was still practicing till a few months before we came to Malawi. And then just, um, it's one of those funny things that when you marry a pastor, suddenly you become a pastor's wife. And um, I, I didn't realize I became a missionary by marriage. So it's like, oh, you're a missionary now, but it's your own country. Um, it's your home, so you don't feel like, wow, you left everything for Christ. You still do what you do when you were in Joel's church, you know, just um, serving, doing evangelism, being in a music team, doing women's ministries. So it was, um, yeah, just a normal life, I suppose. <laughs> well, then why the move to Malawi? How did that come about? Well, We'd sense that our, our ministry time in, in Sasselberg was, was coming to a close, and um, Brian Biedebach, who was uh, a friend of mine from seminary who ministered in South Africa, he was there uh, before I came, and then about uh, nine years ago, he moved up to Malawi, uh, was uh, pastoring a church here, and, and him and Jim Ayers started the Central African Preaching Academy, a seminary uh, here in the Longway, and he called uh, just... 
over two years ago to ask if I'd pray about coming up uh, and joining them. And so I did pray about it. I went up for a week to teach a class and see how things were. And the Lord really um, gave me an excitement for the ministry here and a, uh, just a desire to come. Uh, uh, it seemed like a, a better ministry fit than, than being a, a senior pastor for me. I think it's a uh, it, it, I'm more gifted for the, the role I'm doing here, uh, even though we'd seen you know a lot of fruit in South Africa, but uh, it was uh, I think it's been a good transition. And um, Santi had always wanted to be a, a missionary further up into Africa. In fact, when uh, uh, when we worked that tape table together at the Shepherds Conference, she was on her way to Sudan as a medical missionary. She was working toward that and. Joel came and sat by me one day and, and said, you need to rescue her from that. And so I was quite, I was happy to be obedient to his counsel. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but she was, because of that, as soon as I came back from Malawi, uh, she was on board right away to, to, to come up as well. Yeah, so, so now I feel how it feels to be a missionary. <laughs> so now the title has also taken root in the place as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you guys compare South Africa to Malawi, does any commonalities or differences stand out to you? I think the, the big thing is it's um, both is a third world country, so things go slow, um, you have power outages, um, it's a different language, it's just not fully first world. But the difference in South Africa, again, is South Africa has got a first world country inside South Africa. So there's everything that you can have in, um, in America, in South Africa, in a very selected, selected area, while Malawi is much more third world. Um, our power outages here, the power went off, I don't know if you realized as we were talking, um, that this, our shadows behind is now more vivid. Um, so we have about six hours of power a day at, at the moment, and the rest it's no power. So we do solar or generators or or candles just to, to keep some light somewhere. Um, so that's a difference. We also struggle in Malawi with malaria, as you heard. <laughs> um, so so that's a difference. Um, I think one, one big difference for me, uh, Malawi has a much, even though we're in the capital and we were in a smaller city in South Africa, Malawi has a much more rural feel to it. A lot of the, a lot of the streets even here in the capital are, are, are dirt roads and uh, driving here is a lot different. Um, South Africa and Malawi, they drive on the wrong side of the road, <laughs> but uh, um, here you have you have more pedestrians and bicycles than you have cars, and missing them can be a real challenge at times, especially at night. There's very few streets here that have street lights, and uh, so you're, you're driving. Uh, you've got people on both sides of the roads on bikes and, and walking, so you have to kind of weave your way sometimes in and out of the traffic. And because it's so poorly lit, people drive with their bright lights on to compound the problem. So you're you're getting uh, you're getting blinded from the front. So so I really don't like to drive at night. Santi's got better eyesight than me. So um, so a lot of times she'll do the driving at night. Now you um, guys, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Another big difference is um, um, the crime situation here generally is much better than South Africa. There's a lot of uh, South Africa is a high crime area in terms, especially in terms of violent crime, and um, uh, we felt much safer uh, here uh, in that respect um, until this past week. Um, we had a we had an incident this past week. Uh, <laughs> We were bird watching over in a field near here, and uh, three guys came out of the bushes with machetes and uh, uh, held us up and uh, uh, stole our binoculars and cell phone and uh, some money and uh, took a swing at me, which I blocked, but my finger came out not too good because of it. Uh, so uh, um, God was really gracious. Uh, he protected us. Uh, they just wanted our stuff, so once they got that, they were gone. They weren't really out to harm us any more than they had to to get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, thankfully, uh, the kids were with us uh, on the walk, but um, they were. Um, Santi walked up ahead. She saw some ducks she wanted to get a good look at, and when I heard her uh, yell, I ran up to her. So. Uh, and then a, another guy came at me uh, at that point, uh, but the the kids were far enough back that they didn't see anything. So we're very thankful for that. They uh, they weren't traumatized or anything, and um, so God was just really gracious. It could have been could have been much worse. Um, uh, South Africa probably would have been worse. So. Wow, well, that is hot off the press news, Tony. And you're blocking machetes with your fingers. So, are those yeah, going to uh, be okay? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the finger, I think, is, is uh, bent and will stay that way probably. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's, uh, it's getting better. It doesn't hurt much anymore. Um, wow, well, we are praising the Lord that you guys are well and that he has kept you safe and again praise the lord the kids like you said and god just protected them from not even being able to see it and praise the lord you're married to a doctor yes uh, yeah Yeah. i I didn't even have to go to the clinic i mean Santi did this (laughs) wow that is amazing well tell us a little bit about um the religious and the historical background of malawi and does that in any way impact your ministry there Yes, uh, Malawi is officially a Christian nation. Um, Christianity came into the country a long time ago. Uh, uh, goes all the way back to David Livingston and his explorations of Africa. He brought the gospel here, um, and uh, because of that, the Presbyterian Church has had a long history in Malawi. But there's been a lot of mission work here. Malawi used to be part of old Rhodesia uh, before it broke up into Zambia, Zimbabwe, and Malawi. Uh, Malawi got its independence first. So there's a lot of churches here. Uh, there's been a lot of mission work, a lot of gospel preaching. There's a lot of true believers here. Um, the, uh, the result of that, though, there's been a lot of uh, gospel teaching, uh, but the Church of Malawi has been described uh, well as uh, being a mile wide and an inch deep. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of uh, uh, teaching on discipleship. Uh, most of the pastors here have had very little, if any, training. Uh, so, um, uh, and that really forms the context of our ministry at Kappa. Uh, our ministry is to train uh, pastors to properly interpret and exegete and exposit the word. And we believe that's the way to 
to solve the the situation here that if if pastors learn to preach the word accurately and and um, expositionally that that will have an impact on the churches and uh, turn weak churches into strong churches and and ultimately further the gospel uh, that way. Um, there's also a, a growing Muslim population here. Uh, historically, there's one tribe, the Yao tribe, which live around Lake Malawi, uh, that were evangelized, quote unquote, by the Arabians uh, uh, a century or so ago. And for a long time, that was the Muslim population in Malawi, about 13.5 percent. But that population is growing now. They're 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 quite. Uh, evangelistic. It hasn't been any of the violent kind that you hear about. It's everything's peaceful here. But uh, we have a we have a mosque in our neighborhood. Uh, you know, if you're not sound asleep at four in the morning, he'll he'll make sure you're not asleep. <laughs> uh, so um, and um, one of our students last year was a, an ex-Muslim. He was trained to be an imam before he came to know Christ. So that's a wonderful uh, story of how he. Um, just God worked in his heart. Wow. Well, you guys have five other families with you, GMI missionaries there in Malawi on your, your site there. And three of those families, you guys have joined the team in the last year and a half. So that's quite a transition for the team as well as for your family. How have those transitions been for you guys? Um, I think uh, it's... Uh, it's been a really smooth and wonderful transition. Uh, God has really blessed us with a wonderful team, uh, and we've had really uh, great unity, and uh, everybody's really evidenced a servant's heart and the willingness to inconvenience themselves for one another. And uh, it's just we've all become good friends. And um, so I think the transition itself was easier for Santi and me because we're we're ministering in Africa anyway. Uh, so we only had half a step to come here, and uh, as opposed to someone who comes straight from the states. But everybody's made the transition well, I think, um, and um, uh, we're just thankful to be part of the team here. And uh, I think everybody's doing a wonderful job. Uh, Jim Ayers, our team leader, is doing a great job of. Um, he's done a great job of fostering unity and also of uh, dividing up the workload so each of us can play to our strengths and. Uh, and really fit well together as a team. So uh, very thankful for Jim and, and for all the other team members. I think that the other blessing is the teams has got quite a lot of kids. So our children as friends to play with. Um, all of them are about homeschool. So um, it really makes a difference for our, our children to feel um, part of the community here and not so alone. That's wonderful. That's great that you guys have that. And in addition to the community with the other families, Santi, are there other aspects of your daily life with the kids that have changed much, or is it mostly continuing on even how your kind of daily schedule was in South Africa? I think a lot of it is different. Um, I'm not doing any medical work at the moment, so having three kids is different than just one. Um, and James started homeschooling. So I'm teaching him and the two little ones trying to, to teach them also. Um, so that's a bit different for me. Um, and then just yeah, meeting up with the other families, doing some projects and things with them together. So, yeah. 
That's wonderful. And Tony, you a moment ago mentioned CAPA, and that is the training center there in Malawi. Tell us a little bit more about that. Does that function in our understanding like a seminary, or what does that look like on a daily schedule for you? Yes, it is a seminary. Uh, we're offering a Master of Divinity program, uh, uh, and we uh, we were offering a one-year diploma program as well, but the, uh, the government uh, didn't like that one. So uh, they uh, we discontinued that for this year, but in the in the fall um, we're going to start a, a two-year bachelor program to go along with the master in divinity program. Um, we're following an American schedule, uh, August to May, um, and most of our students are already pastoring. They um, uh, a number of them with large churches, but they just haven't had training, especially in expository preaching. So. Uh, our schedule is we have four modules each semester. They, the students come in on a Tuesday and stay for just over a week to the following Thursday. And that way the pastors that are from outside of the long way uh, are only, ha- only have to miss one Sunday a month. And so that works really well uh, for them. Uh, so it's a pretty intense uh, two weeks in terms of teaching, but then they can go back to their ministries and, and uh, uh, try to get through all the homework we give them to. <laughs> And uh, so, but it works really well. That's wonderful. And tell us, are there any upcoming projects or conferences or anything that um, is going on in ministry coming up in the near future that we can be praying for? Yes. Uh, after this semester is over, at the end of April, we uh, we have some classes in the what's what would be summer in America. Uh, uh, since that's our long break, we have some intensives, some one week intensives. Uh, I'm going to be doing the first one in the the middle of May, which is a, a church history class. So I've I've got to I've got to put that together and write the syllabus and everything and have that ready by the second week of May. So I'd really appreciate prayer for that. Um, and then in August, uh, we we've had a light year this year because we've only had the one MDiv class. But in August, our present MDiv students will be in their final year. We're taking in a new MDiv class, and we're taking in the first year of the of the bachelor program. So our workload is going to triple in, in August. So uh, uh, we'd really uh, appreciate prayer for preparation for that and, and to be ready for, for that influx of students that's coming. Yes, absolutely. How about anything for your family or any other things that we can be praying for specifically? We, um, I'm going down with the children in about two weeks' time to South Africa. They have final... Um, papers for adoption to be completed. So you can pray for that. It's just uh, finalizing their surnames, um, change, put it on the register. So there shouldn't be problems, but it's still a fearful country and you're never sure. So please pray for me for that. I'm having to visit home affairs offices. Um, And then just safe travels. Um, uh, Tony's going to be alone here, so you'll probably see if there's some restaurant somewhere. Um. <laughs> yeah, there's no in and out though. You can pray that that could come here sometime soon. <laughs> For the Malawian ch- franchise to open up, is that what you're referring to? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can pray for us. Just uh, I think uh, sometimes just the. We call them normal things, but the things that are really important, our own walks with the Lord, that that would be uh, be strong and that we would uh, uh, just uh, for our marriage and for our parenting and, and especially the, the salvation of our children, of course, is, is 
heavy on our hearts. So really appreciate prayer there. Absolutely. Well, Tony and Santi, this has been a joy, and I'd like to end our time with praying for you right now. So we'll go ahead and we will close by praying for you. Go ahead and bow with us, ladies. Oh, thank you so much. Heavenly Father, this truly has been such a joy to our hearts to hear of how you have saved Tony and Santi and uniquely called them and placed them in exactly the place where you would want them to be, Father, to give them so many years of service in South Africa, both through the church and the ministries there, as well as through Santi's practice. Giving them children, Lord, we praise you for how you specifically put um, James and Ami and David in their family, Lord, and now that they have parents who know you, God, and who are teaching them about you, Lord, we rejoice in that. Father, we thank you for how you have brought them to Malawi now to help with the ministry there of Kappa. And God, we pray for all five of these families. We thank you for the team, for the unity that they have, for the smooth transition these last um, 18 months, Lord, for all these families. And we do pray that you would continue to protect them, to give them um, grace and faith through all their struggles and trials of adjusting to life in Africa. And specifically, Lord, we do pray for protection and we pray for um, the children, that they would grow in safety and in the knowledge of you, Lord. We ask that you would save them, God, that they would become your children, that they would grow to be men and women who love you with all their heart, soul, and mind. Father, we ask that you would give Tony and Santi wisdom as they parent. Help them to be humble before you, God, and to have wise counsel and shepherding for their children, that they would be patient and faithful, God, in their discipline. Father, we pray for their marriage, that their marriage would be a shining and a radiant testimony of a picture of Christ in the church, Lord, that they would love each other sacrificially, and that they would be a wonderful testimony to the believers around them as well as to the non-believers in their midst. And God, we do praise you for protecting them, even this last week, Father. Lord, we know that all things are in your hand, and we know that you could have very well decided that things might have ended differently, but we do praise you that you saw fit to save Tony from getting more seriously injured, to save Santi, and even spare the children from being aware of that, Lord. We pray for the salvation of those men, God. We don't know what you're doing in their hearts, but we do pray. We know that they are sinners who need the Lord, just like we do, Father. And God, we pray for Kappa. We pray for the programs that are starting coming this fall, Lord. That is quite a lot um, to go from the one program to the three all at one time. And we thank you again for providentially bringing these families, a team of five men, Lord, working together to meet the tasks that you have before them and to train these men who are so in need of it, Lord, who long for understanding your word better, to be trained as pastors and shepherds, Lord. I pray that you would grow these men through the faithful testimony and example of these missionaries who have come, as well as through your word, Lord, that you would move in their hearts to understand it, to love it, and to share it with their flocks, Lord, as they live it back home in their own churches. And we pray specifically for Tony as he prepares his church history um, material and curriculum for the coming uh, time, Lord. We ask that you would give him grace and wisdom as he uh, prepares that material and let it be a time of edifying for himself as well as when he has the opportunity to share it with his students, God. We're so grateful for this family, God, and we just ask that you continue to bless them mightily, Lord, that they would be um, your tools, Lord, your mouths, your spokespeople in Malawi and exactly where you have them, Lord. And we thank you for this time we've had with them in your son's name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
We want to go ahead and pan around our room here because I want you to see all these wonderful smiling faces who have had the joy of hearing from you today. <laughs> and everyone's waving goodbye. Wonderful. We are so thankful. We, uh, we're so thankful for everyone uh, at Mindset and Every Woman's Grace and for your prayers and encouragement. Uh, Santi just got her first uh, letter from Mindset. Hi. You're in Malawi. Great. So you guys were actually my first Malawian addressed letter that we received. So thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, our, our pleasure. And we will continue to look for your updates and continue to be supporting you guys in prayer. Uh, thank you so much. We, we feel your prayers and your love, and we love you all too. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks again. Have a wonderful night. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.